The text for the message this morning is Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 to 22. It begins with Moses' second question for the Lord. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, has appeared to me, saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt, and I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt the land of the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey, and they will listen to your voice. And you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. And now please let us go a three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you shall not go empty. But each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. You shall put them on your sons and on your daughters. So you shall plunder the Egyptians. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, if someone came to you and asked you, what is the name of your God? How would you answer that question? And ask your children that question. See how they answer that as well. Well, thankfully, when Moses was commissioned by God to go and speak to Pharaoh on behalf of the Israelites, God himself answered that question with several answers. You can see that if you have your Bible open in front of you. You can see Exodus 3, verse 14. God told Moses, I am who I am. And then verse B again, 3, verse 14b, he says, my name is I am. And both these could also be translated in the future tense. He could have been saying, I will be who I will be. And then in verse 14b, I will be has sent me. And then if you look at Exodus 3 verse 15, God said his name is the Lord. The one who is or the one who will be, Yahweh, usually is translated Lord in all this uppercase letters. So when we combine this, and if you flip your page to Exodus 6, verses 2 to 3, with, with those verses where God says that his name is Yahweh, 
or the Lord, we can be very sure that this is a good answer to give someone who asks you the name of your God. Sometimes you'll see Jehovah as a name. It's not a very good title because it's basically the English version of the Hebrew consonants and vowels that the Jews combined together so that they would not unintentionally use or say the name of the Lord and use it in vain. So the Jehovah is a result of people who were trying not to pronounce the name of the Lord Yahweh as he gave it in Exodus. They treated it as such a super holy name that they did everything they could to avoid saying it unintentionally. They were honoring the third commandment to not use the name of the Lord in vain. The problem is the Lord gave us the name to use, Yahweh the Lord. Well, in our text we learn that God has told us to use his name forever. You can see that in chapter 3, verse 15. He wants us to remember his name for all generations. Now you would think that since God gathers his church through believers and their children, such a reminder wouldn't be necessary. But ever since the fall into sin, God's people have forgotten his name over and over again. Perhaps his people didn't forget the actual word Yahweh, the Lord, by which he is called, but they certainly forgot the deeds that he has done, his characteristics, his promises, and his warnings. The Reformation that many Reformed churches commemorate today is not the only Reformation and return to the Lord in the history of the church. We thank the Lord that he is faithful and that by his grace we may continue to share in the joy of his most holy and awesome name. And I preach to you the gospel under this theme, God reveals his name to his church throughout all generations. And we may share in the joy of his essence, his covenant, and his power. And I was thinking more about that first point. It should probably be we share in the joy of his being, who he is. Well, the Lord told Moses that he should tell the people of Israel that his name is I am who I am. And at first glance, as you read this, the name doesn't seem to mean anything. It's almost as if God simply gave an answer that we might give if we don't want someone to know our name. Who am I? Well, I am who I am, and you don't need to know my name. However, as the translations that capitalize God's response make clear, God was actually answering Moses' question and was giving his name. God is not just a nameless power like wind or heat, but he is personal. And we can be in a living relationship with him. And when God gave his personal name to Moses, it was more than just an identity tag to distinguish the God of their fathers from other so-called gods out there like our names often are, but it serves as a revelation of his essence, his being, who he is. It serves as a revelation of his significance for the people of God and his power. God's revelation of his name is a revelation of his reputation. 
And his name, Yahweh, the Lord, teaches us about what we can expect from him. The verb that God uses for both the title, I am, and the name Yahweh, the Lord, is a verb that describes being. Yahweh, the Lord, is in the third person form of the name I am, based on the same root. And it means he is, I am in the first person and he is in the third person. Every time you encounter the word Lord in all uppercase letters, you should remember that it's a reference to his name, Yahweh, and it means the one who is. That's a reference to the God who told Moses that his name is I Am. The Lord does not try to prove his existence. He doesn't try to justify himself, but he tells the world that he exists. It's in his name. He cannot be categorized by the words we have to describe created things because he is before all things. He is outside of all creation. He is almighty. We bow in worship before the source of all life, the source of all existence, the creator of heaven and earth, the creator of everything that we know, the holy God whose majestic glory extends far beyond our words and even our comprehension. The Lord uses a verb of being to describe himself that is not limited to a particular time. He was, he is, and he will be. Besides being holy, the Lord, Yahweh, is eternal. Existing outside of time, he is a God who is present in all times. One, one person, one writer described him as the God who is ising. He is being in all situations. The Lord God shows what he means with this in our text. When he makes it clear that he is the God who he was, was God to Moses' father and ancestors. That's 3 verse 15. And that same God who was God to the fathers is the God who was appearing to Moses and who was sending him in that very moment. And then the God who will be there to bring the people out of Egypt. You can see that in verse 20. The God of our fathers, the God who was talking to Moses, the God who would, will bring deliverance. The past, the present, and the future. In the past, he was observing, he said, he was observing what was being done to the people of God in Egypt. And then he promised or he decided to, to bring them out of the affliction of Egypt at that moment in history and he would fulfill the promise in the near future. We can also see from these examples that it belongs to the being or the essence of God revealed in his name that he exists in a relationship with his church on the earth. The one who was, who is, and will be is the one who knows and who observes all that is happening on the earth. In Exodus 3, verse 12, 
You can read, he said, I will be. That's the same verb again, the verb of, of being. I will be with you. He is the I am who cares about the creatures that he has made. Yahweh in all his infinite glory and majesty and power and holiness understands the afflictions about the, uh, that, we, that we face in our lives. He knows that these things aren't enjoyable. He knows about the hardness of hearts of, of sinners. He wants to deliver, to set his church free from the bondage of slavery to sin. And he did in his son, Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus then made that clear when he was on earth. He showed how he was the being of God in his love for his people. He taught the church that he is the manifestation of the great I am on earth. That he had come to bring salvation. We see that connection within the triune God then, the, the Father and the Son, the one who is was and is and will be. Now there's some debate about whether or not Jesus was publicly de declaring that he was the exact representation of the being of God in all of the famous seven I am statements in the Gospel of John. But it does seem very clear that this is the very point that our Lord Jesus is making in John 8 verse 58 when he said, before Abraham was, I am. In his grace, the Lord God Almighty made his dwelling among us. Through Jesus Christ, the manifestation of the outpouring infinite love of God, we may know the one true God in his justice and in his mercy. We may rejoice every day in the glory of his being, which means so much love and grace for us. For the Lord has become our Father through Jesus Christ. And as we read through our text today, we, we praise the Lord for revealing his infinite majesty, of his glorious being, his essence to us. We realize how very small we are. He just says his name. And we fall on our knees in worship before him. For although the Pharaoh thought he was the man, the supreme, the most powerful ruler, he is nothing, nothing compared to the God who had sent his servant Moses. Although many Israelites could have despaired because for them it was Pharaoh who was and who is and who would be until their death. Even Pharaoh's little kingdom is nothing before the great I am. And brothers and sisters, in the trials of this life, see, hear that word of God. See the power and the might and the majesty and the holiness and the eternity of your God. Remember his name. The Lord said, this is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. We may share in the joy of his covenant. There's a very close connection in God's instruction between the name Yahweh, the Lord, 
and the fact that he is the God of our fathers. You can see how this is repeated as an integral part of Moses' message in, in, in verses 6 and 15, and then again in verse 16. When the Lord told Moses to take off his sandals before him, he immediately introduced himself as the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. In response to Moses' second question about who he was, God then joined his personal name, I Am, to the revelation that he is the same God that Israel's fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, worshipped. And Moses was, make, was to make sure that he said this to the people, 3 verse 15, and to the elders, 3 verse 16, that he had been sent by the Lord, the God of of the, their fathers, the God of the covenant. Now the covenant, that refers to the relationship between God and believers and their children. Between God and the people whom he chose out of the earth. And children, then you should, you should learn that when we as believers, when we talk about the covenant, and we do that when there's a baptism, we do that when we encourage one another, we're talking about God's promise to be our God and that we may be his people. The covenant is God saying, I will be your God and you will be my people. And so when your parents ask you children about what is the covenant, you say, that's when God says, I will be your God and you will be my people. That's what God said to Adam and Eve, that he was their God. He revealed to them that he was God and they were his people. God told Noah and his family that he was their God and they would be his people. God said the same thing to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. And now again, he reveals this, that he is the God of the people of Israel. God initiated the covenant relationship. And every time that he promised believers that he would be their God and they would be his people, he was calling believers and their children to live in the obligations of this covenant. Well, Moses' message is for the sons of Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, to the sons of, of Israel. And it was a message of hope that was based on the covenant promises that God had made. Not only was the great I am holy and powerful, but he was bound to believers and their children. That's the glory of the covenant. The Almighty God binding himself to his church, to his people, to help them, to love them, to lead them in their new life. God himself, Yahweh, the Lord, binds himself to his covenant people so that we might be delivered from the evil one, from the power of sin in him. The almighty God has entered into a relationship with believers, with their children. And that's why he had been carefully observing them. Exodus 2, verse 23 to 25, states that very clearly God remembered his covenant. That's why he came in to act. That's why he, he came down, 3, verse 8. That's a gospel message for his church today. 
And brothers and sisters, you remember his name. See him as the Lord of the covenant. And remember, he remembers his promises. Moses was to tell the elders of Israel that the Lord promised to deliver them. And his decision was to be the anchor and the source of all their hope. This gospel is not just a gospel of, for, for Israel so many years ago, but it also comes to every person who crosses over from death to life by publicly professing their faith, together with all their children who are baptized into the name of the triune God. The Lord wants his name to be remembered throughout all generations. And we are called to see him as our Father, steadfast in his promises, in his steadfast covenant love. That Hebrew word that we should all learn, chesed, his covenant love. Moses could tell the people of God that the God of the covenant appeared to him in the burning bush so that he might save them. Today we worship the, the, the Savior and the Deliverer, Jesus Christ. We see the fullness of this promise of God. We live in His grace. We can see it even more clearly than Moses and the people and the elders. Yahweh, the Lord, the one who is holy, eternal, sovereign, creator of the universe, the God of our fathers, the God who directed his church in, in faithfulness in the time of the Protestant Reformation, the God who sent his son to rescue each one of us from slavery to sin. He is our God, and his name is glorified among us. He has bound himself to us. He is our anchor in heaven. And he surrounds us with his loving, gracious hands. And he holds us close to his chest like a parent might hold their very own child. He reaches down to us in his grace and mercy, even though we don't deserve it. He hears our cries. He hears our, our prayers because he loves us in Jesus Christ. No matter what we are facing in our lives, we do not need to be afraid. We do not need to despair, for the great I am, Yahweh the Lord, is with us. By God's grace, we may always share in the joy of his power. We think again of who he is. And when your God is Yahweh the Lord, the God of the covenant, you can be sure that he will always ensure that you, his children, are able to worship, to glorify him. The Lord knows the end from the beginning. And so all those last verses, which will again be repeated as they happen later on, all those last verses show how God would make everything work. Moses had a credibility problem with his fellow Israelites because he murdered an Egyptian and then he fled. Well, the Lord God promised that he would make it so that the elders would still listen to his voice. That's chapter 3, verse 18. And so the, the Lord would show Moses that he was on his side through the support of the more experienced, wise, and understanding representatives of the people, the elders. Well, Moses and the people of God would see his sovereign power on every step of the way so they would have the boldness and, and the confidence they needed to lay God's demands before the king of Egypt. 
And you can see that as you look at your text and the instruction the Lord gave. He commanded Moses to make it very clear that it was not Moses or the people or the, even the elders who were in dispute with Pharaoh, but it was the Lord God himself. Moses and the elders were to tell the king, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. It's like a child who tells his teacher that his dad or his mom asked him to tell the teacher to let him go, to tell the teacher a message. In the same way, Moses and elders let Pharaoh know that they were messengers of the Lord God Almighty and they were compelled by him to speak to Pharaoh. And so the Lord's messengers came in the authority and the might of the Lord God Almighty and they, and they informed Pharaoh that he was answerable to the Lord for his actions. That it was time for him to repent and to submit to God's will. The wording of the phrase that God told them to say has the sense of an announcement in the name of the Lord God. We think when we read the little word please that they, they were told to come begging but it wasn't that at all. They, they came saying, the Lord has sent us. He has met with us. So now we know that we're going to sacrifice and we're going to serve him on Mount Sinai. And now you, O king, have the opportunity to submit to God, to accept this peacefully, to, to just let us go or be compelled by the mighty hand of the Lord. With the Lord God of their fathers standing behind them, the messengers could approach the king of Egypt with confidence. And brothers and sisters, if we speak to the world with the words of the Lord, when we call sinners to repentance, when we announce the offer of the gospel with the scriptures open, we too may speak with the Lord standing behind us with, with boldness and certainty. For we share in the joy of his power. The Lord's plans don't depend on human responses. And like Pharaoh, anyone who hears the announcement simply needs to decide if they're in or they're out. The messengers to Pharaoh didn't come as beggars, but they came as ambassadors, announcing the plans of the Lord. And in this way, Moses' ministry pointed forward to the work of our Lord Jesus Christ and, and to the apostles. That boldness, that declaration, the, the gospel proclamation, that also something we remember with the reformers in the time of great opposition. As we read this, as we think about what they were sent to do, we ask ourselves too, are we praying for that quiet confidence in the awesome power of the Lord who stands behind the gospel offer as he announced it to the world. Now, the Lord knew that Pharaoh would not bend the knee. It was completely against his plan of killing the, the male babies and mixing the church in, in with his Egyptian nation. And yet he commanded Moses, the elders, to proclaim the gospel, even to unwilling hearts. It displays God's patience, his desire to see conversion. In effect, the messenger's visit to Pharaoh was a call for the king to repent and submit to God. 
Even the king of Egypt was given an opportunity to either share in the joy of God's power or be crushed by God's perfectly just punishments. The Lord told Moses that he would need to display his power in Egypt with many wonders in order to compel the king by his mighty hand. Well, this also meant for the Israelites that they should not expect immediate results. They needed to prepare for increased suffering before things got better. Sharing in the Lord's power, announcing the truth of who he is to the world. That does not mean that we will always get what we want or that we will always have an easy life. But it does mean that whatever we face, we may know that he is on our side. That he is fighting for our good with the Lord as our God. All things work for the good of those who love him. And the Lord assured Moses of the extent of his power by telling him that he would be so that he would so completely humble Egypt. These are the last verses that the women would be giving them so much of their silver and their gold and their clothing that even the Israelite children would be enriched through the plunder. This is the Lord God we worship today. He is so powerful. He is so complete in his deliverance. Let us trust in this covenant God. Let's trust in him with our hearts, our souls, and our minds, and our strength. For he truly is with us. And on this Reformation Day, we can look back, we can, we can see that. We can rejoice in the faithfulness of the Lord. Even in the deepest valleys of moral decline, unfaithful leadership and outright persecution and torture. He has been with his church throughout all generations. And the Lord Yahweh continues to be with us today. Jesus Christ, his son, we saw that on the display text as we came in today, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Although it may not always look like it to us, we see, as we see the increasing number of attacks on the church, the Lord continues to be bound to the covenant relationship that he himself established with us. And he is the source of all life and being. He is powerful to preserve his church. He stands behind us, the church, like a, a mother bear protecting his little cub. And so, brothers and sisters, do not lose hearts. Remember the Lord, the God of your fathers, the great I Am is with you. He has revealed his name to his church to be used throughout all generations as a comfort. And we may share in the joy of his being, his covenant, and his power today and forever. Amen. We'll now sing together the God of all ages in hymn 54, stanzas 1, 2, and 3. Standing if you're able to stand. 